Hi, this is Pastor James Strickland, and you are listening to our sermon cast for Holman Park Baptist Church. I want to go ahead and open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 8. We are looking at the, the tale of the leper, the lawman, and the in-law. It's all, it's all uh, neat when uh, we finished up the Sermon on the Mount, and then after a preacher finishes a sermon, they've got to know where to go next. And the Lord just led me to the next chapter. So we are picking up right after Jesus finished the Sermon on the Mount. Now he starts conducting some miracles. And uh, miracles are, are wonderful if you are the recipient. But there are lessons in each one of those that Jesus did. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for our worship time today, Lord. And thank you for uh, blessing us, Lord, with, with people, Lord, that have your ability to sing. Your ability to use their gifts, Lord, to praise you. And so as we continue in our message today, Lord, may it be honoring to those who hear it. For it's in your name we pray. Amen. Well, today's miracle, we look at someone who is an outcast. They are an unclean outcast. And they become a clean believer. We'll talk more about that in just a minute. But in here, the leper knew the depths. Of his affliction. He knew the seriousness of his illness. And you and I today must be honest with ourselves. We must be honest about the cleanliness of our lives. You see, Jesus healed the leper because he saw the direness of his situation. So maybe you're here today and you feel like that you are in a dire situation. But my friend, do not feel outcast. Do not feel overlooked or passed over this morning. Because the Savior is here. And He is willing to heal you where you are, not where you think you ought to be. You don't have to clean up to take a bath. You can come to Jesus just as you are. But this week we had a monumental Happening here in, in our neck of the woods. Did y'all get the snow? Did you see it? Did anybody did anybody make some snowballs and all that kind of stuff like that? I mean, it was, you know, I am sure that the stores were out of milk and bread the minute it started. But all seriousness, they say it snowed. I didn't see much because it was mixed in with the rain. Some of those that are in the higher elevations saw a couple of inches of snow, but it wasn't the winter blast that we thought it was going to be. But social media went crazy over those little white flakes. Uh, people in, in my friend's, lead, or friend's feed were, were blowing it up with, oh, it's snowing, and nobody told us it was coming, and all that kind of great, like, great stuff like that. But even though it was a little bit of a disappointment, it reminded me of a story about how much fun that we could have, especially when we were kids, and it would snow. I remember an account of a boy that he was going down his favorite hill on his favorite sled. He had waxed the rails, and it was it was flying down that hill. And before you knew it, something happened, and he wiped out, and he wiped out bad. And so what happened was is that he got up, and he was so worried about whether his sled was messed up or not. And then all of a sudden he looked up at his friends and they had the big eyes and they, they were just looking at him. And then he noticed that the snow in front of him was red because he had busted his nose 
wide open. Now, what in the world is the point in that? The point here is that when that kid wrecked his sled, he, his greatest concern was the condition of his sled. But his deepest need, his most urgent need was not the sled, but the fact that he was bleeding and his nose was messed up. And so, as we see that, you may be here today stressing over the wrong things. You may be worried about your sled when there are things that are more important that Jesus wants to deal with you this week on. So, and it may be right in front of you, just like that boy's nose. So, be open today and be ready. During our study of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, we learned about God's principles for living. I mean, he walked us through Jesus 101, how to live a Christian life. And as he did that, today we begin to look at not only the principles that Jesus taught us, but the power of Jesus. We see the power of Jesus demonstrated through miracles that he carried out. And these miracles were important to his ministry because they show compassion, not only for the spiritual well-being of those that he healed, but also for the physical needs. They had to, folks, you can tell people Jesus loves them all day, but if they're hungry, they're not going to listen to you. And I can preach as long as I want, but if your seat gets tired and your mind shuts off, I'm just wasting time. You know what I mean? Because there are, there are spiritual needs, but there are also physical needs as well. And we must remember that Jesus died for and ministers to people as a whole, not just their physical needs, or their spiritual needs. Listen, God is going to be listening to your prayers. And he's going to hear that prayer request for your friends whose liver has a quiver. They're going to listen to your prayer for that friend that needs a job. They're going to listen to, he's going to listen to your prayers for all of these things that you bring to him. But he is also going to be wanting to hear you pray for spiritual growth. Pray for strength. Pray for understanding. Pray for opportunities to share your faith with others. Because, see, Jesus is concerned for your spiritual needs, but also your physical needs as well. And so we need to be careful. First and foremost, Jesus was providing his credentials of being the long-awaited Messiah, as well as pointing to God as his source of power. There was a reason he was conducting this miracle. However, you and I must be careful because miracles alone do not prove Jesus' credibility. Just because he did miracles, it did not necessarily mean that he was the Messiah. Why do I say that? Because you can read the Bible and you can see in the Old Testament, you can see, and, and even in the New Testament, there are accounts of miracles being done by soothsayers of the kings and by magicians. They actually replicated some of the plagues that Moses brought upon uh, them in Egypt. And so we see that also Satan himself, Satan himself performed miracles. And still today there are people that can do things and, and provide miracles that we don't fully understand. Paul spoke of the fact that there is actually going to be a leader called the Antichrist. The Antichrist is someone who will rise to power before Jesus' second coming. Look, if you believe 
in Jesus, you believe in Christmas and the virgin birth, and you believe in the resurrection, you've got to believe in the second coming. There will be an Antichrist that everybody will love. It says in 2 Thessalonians 2.9 that this man will come to do the work of Satan with counterfeit power and signs and miracles. So just because you see miracles, you have to be careful. Also, we need to be sure every miracle that Jesus conducted had a purpose. Let me say that one more time. Every miracle that Jesus conducted had a purpose. There are people that are not accounted for in the scriptures that did not get healed. He would walk through crowds. Some people he would heal. Some people he would he would not. The reason I want to stress that is because you might be here thinking, yeah, Jesus heals. But why didn't he heal me? Why didn't he heal my mom? Why didn't he heal my dad? Why didn't he heal my friend? Why did he let this happen? I don't know. But I know this. I know that everything that Jesus does, there is a reason and a purpose behind it. Every miracle illustrated a truth for Jesus to teach. A conviction for those who needed to be convicted. And a path to eternal life for those who were searching. Folks, Jesus was not trying to build a YouTube following. He wasn't trying to go viral. He was just trying to do the work his father sent him to do. And there are three examples of Jesus' healing people that were outcasts to the Jewish elite. The leper was outcast because of his sickness, who we're looking at today. Also, we will see in next week, the centurion was outcast because of racism. No, that doesn't happen today. Of course it does. Racism was alive and well even in Jesus' day. And then the third is the mother-in-law that was cast out because of her gender. Because she was a woman. Many Pharisees would pray each morning, I give thanks that I am a man, not a woman, a Jew, and not a Gentile, a free man, and not a slave. Maybe you have felt outcast at times. Maybe you feel like you are an outcast this morning. Maybe you feel the sneers and the judgments and the statements of these religious people that think that they are better than somebody else. But my friend, if you feel outcast, you are on good ground because Jesus is willing to heal you today. Let's take a moment and read Matthew chapter 8 verses 1 through 4. There's a Bible in the pew in front of you. We also have sermon notes on the Bible app from version. And then also, uh, you can just read along. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. And it says, Large crowds followed Jesus as he came down the mountainside. So, for continuity, we know that he just finished this long sermon. And he is coming down from the mount where he delivered his sermon on the mount. And it says, Then they followed Jesus as they came down the mountainside. And then suddenly, there's that word I love, suddenly a man with leprosy approached him and knelt before him. And we'll talk in a minute how this is huge, that that the, the man approached him. And it says, the man says, Lord, the man said, if you are willing, you can heal me and make me clean. Jesus reached out and touched him. It blows my mind that he touched him. We'll talk about that in a minute. And he said, I am willing. He said, be healed. And instantly, instantly the leprosy disappeared. 
And Jesus said to him, don't tell anyone about this. Instead, go to the priest and let him examine you. Take along the offering required in the law of Moses for those who have been healed of leprosy. This will be a public testimony that you have been cleansed. What do we see in these short four verses? Because I'm telling you, when I started putting this sermon together, it was going to be all three of them at once. But when I got to this, this is one of my favorite passages. And I said, I'm just going to have to camp on this because I don't want to keep him here for three hours. And y'all said, amen, right? But the truth of the matter is, I, this passage is powerful. We see that the first thing here is that Jesus is willing to heal you in your deepest despair. Jesus is willing to heal you in your deepest despair. Leprosy is a terrible disease. It attacks a person's body. There are still places in the world today that have leper colonies. There are still people that suffer from this disease. Leprosy is a skin infection that not only caused extreme pain, it would affect the nerves. It affects the skin, the eyes, and the lining of the nose. And if it's left untreated, it can result in crippling of the hands, the feet, paralysis, and even blindness. So this leper that approached Jesus was hurting. He was miserable. And he had the faith that Jesus could heal him. Folks, he was desperate. And my friend, with you, in your desperation, when you get to that point and reach out for Jesus, he will be there. And he will be willing. And here's the thing. What was the name of this guy? Was he, was he John, Paul, Saul, Bart, whatever it may be? We don't know. What was, what was he defined by? His condition. He was called the leper. There would be like somebody else that lied on them. Hey, there's the liar. There's the, the adulterer. There's the sufferer. There's the pious. No, he was defined by his condition. And some of you have defined yourself by your condition. You think that I have done this and I've been like this so long. There is no way that Jesus could love me in the middle of my mess. That I am defined by this and I can't break out of it. You are not defined by your circumstances. You are not defined by your personality. Those things can change if you're willing. And Jesus is willing. Notice that this man was known as the leper. The man with leprosy. He had a name. He had a family. He had a life. But none of those things were important. The man was defined by his affliction. Also, the thing about leprosy is leprosy separates someone from others. Imagine contacting leprosy and being a mother and not be able to hold your child. Imagine... You're not being able to sit down with your parents. Imagine not being able to have time with your friends. Imagine being married and all of a sudden you get this condition and all of a sudden you are banned from the family. You're not even allowed to stay in your home. You're not even allowed to stay in your city. Jack, you are kicked out of the city and you are left either as some kind of camp for lepers or you're kicked outside of the city gates. And you are gone. Separated away from those you love. And the thing is, is that if they had leprosy, they had to do something that was very humiliating. If someone ever came close to them, they would have to yell, unclean, unclean, unclean. 
In other words, saying, stay away from me. Stay away from me. I am unclean. I am not worthy to be in the city. I am not worthy to go to the temple and worship. I am unclean. Jesus had every right to shoo him away. Jesus could have walked around the sky. Jesus could have acted like he didn't hear the sky. Jesus could have actually disciplined that guy and said, Dude, you're too close. You're unclean. You should stay away from me. This leper should never have approached Jesus. He never should have got up and said, Please, if you are willing, heal me. He should have said, I'm unclean. Stay away. But folks, he was desperate. He was desperate. And desperate times call for desperate measures. The man with leprosy approached Jesus, which was a no-no. Jesus had every right to shoo him away. And we got to be careful, folks. When we see people that have conditions or they're in life situations that are not like ours, that are threatening to us, we got to be careful not in our self-righteousness to write them off and walk alongside of them. To get out of the way. Our community is filled with people. They may not be lepers, but they are separated from their families. They are separated from God. Jesus is willing to heal him. And remember when I told you at the beginning of this sermon that every miracle that Jesus conducted had a purpose? Did you know that in the Bible, when leprosy was used as an illustration of sin? So when people had leprosy, they used leprosy to illustrate the fact that this man had sin in his life. It was believed if the leper was if they contracted leprosy, it was because they had some kind of sin in life. Matter of fact, they believed back then if anything was wrong with you, it was either because of your sin or the sin of your parents or the sin of your grandparents or somebody must have done something to make God mad and that's why you're in the situation you're in. That's what they thought back then. But the thing is, is that like leprosy, sin goes much deeper than the skin. And I've got some points up there that sin goes much deeper than skin. And there are some verses you can reference this. Also, sin spreads. Sin makes us unholy and separates us from God and others. And sin will be judged by fire. Not my words. But God's word. I remember during uh, our trip to New York uh, this past Christmas, uh, as we, we saw uh, Tony Evans on Wednesday night talking about one of his vacations where he got sick, and he said there was no vacation to it. And I, 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 amen. So uh, we had been in New York for a day and a half. Then uh, I got sick and found out I had not the coronavirus, but the norovirus. I won the lottery, right? That was awesome. I got to ride in an FDNY ambulance, which was cool. I got to stay in a hospital, and, and I've got a reminder of that trip, not only in pictures, but in bills. And uh, that's going to be all right. But the thing is, is that when I went in, I, I had great care. I can't complain whatsoever. But when I went in, I went from being out with everybody to all of a sudden they said, I tell you what, Mr. Strickland, we're going to put you in a room over here where you can be more comfortable. 
Then I noticed, they said, look, here's your bathroom. Nobody else is going to use that bathroom. I'm like, cool, I'm getting the treatment here. Then all of a sudden, the nurses started coming in, and now they started having masks and gloves. The doctors came in, and they pulled back the curtain, but they wouldn't come in, and they had on all the protective stuff, and I found out why. They had diagnosed me with this virus, and evidently it was very contagious. How Donna got it, I do not know, but praise God she didn't. But the thing was, is that they took me from where everybody was and they separated me. Because I was sick. Because I had this thing that was contagious. They didn't want to touch me. They didn't want to be with me. There was a separation. So I can understand here that I was secluded and cut off from everyone else. And treated as someone with a disease because my disease, my sickness, could affect others. Folks, let me tell you a little secret today. If no one has ever told you, whether you be some of these teens on this side or, or, or whether you be whatever age you are on the other sides, we all are in this boat together. The fact is, is that your sin not only affects you, but it takes those around you down. Don't think that this is my life, my choice, my problems, and I will handle it. Your sin, like a boat, churns water and creates a wave. Some people like to to skimboard over them. Some people like to to wave right over them. But the truth of the matter is, is that when we get in the, the wake of other people's sins, it is devastating. Some of you here this morning know what it is to suffer due to the sins of others. Some of you know the loneliness of separation because of the sin that you allow in your life. Some of you are blinded by your own sin and the effect is having on those around you. Folks, your sin will separate you from your friends, from your family, and most importantly, your God. Let me show you this. Isaiah 59, 2 says that it's your sins that have cut you off from God. Because of your sins, he has turned away and he will not listen anymore. My friend, if we have unconfessed, unrepented sin in our lives, we break the fellowship between us and God. It's called grieving the Holy Spirit. It's called being a carnal Christian. We cannot do the things of the world, crave the things of the world, crave sin and love God at the same time. It is impossible. The next thing we see in the passage is that Jesus bore your disease for your healing. Jesus bore your disease for your healing. Do you understand the impact of Jesus literally touching the leper? Remember earlier when I said those afflicted with leprosy would have to shout unclean when people came around them? It would have been so easy for Jesus to pass by. Here's the thing, folks. We know because of Scripture and we know because of the power of God. I don't know if you've thought about this. Jesus did not have to touch the leper to heal him. You ever thought of that? Jesus did not have to touch the leper to heal him. By Jesus touching the leper, Jesus bore his infirmity. And took his infirmity and became unclean so that the leper could become clean. When is the last time that leper ever felt the touch of someone 
When is the last time he was able to kiss his baby's cheek? Or to hold the hand of his loved one? Or to have anybody show any affection? No, Jesus could have just spoken, but he touched him and bore him. He became unclean so the leper could become clean. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says it like this. It says, For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin, so that we could be made right with God through Christ. Folks, you may think that you have done something that Jesus cannot handle. You may think that Jesus would never forgive you for the things you have done. And my friend, Jesus will touch you at the nastiest point of your life. To heal you. There is nothing that you can do. Nothing. There is no habit. There is no attitude. There is no relationship. There is no thought process. There is nothing that Jesus will not be willing to go to you where you are and touch you and heal you. The only thing that he can't do is save you when you don't want saving. He cannot get past the fact that when you say, I hear you calling Christ, but no way. That's the only non-negotiable. Everything else, it doesn't matter what you have done. Whether you are a death row inmate that is convicted of horrendous crimes, or you're the sweet little church lady who's been in church all her life and never had a relationship with Jesus Christ. Jesus will touch you at your nastiest points. And he will call you clean. Notice the leper. How long did it take for him to get healed? A couple weeks? couple years. No, instantly, instantly the leper was healed. When you come to know Jesus Christ and you say, Jesus Christ, come into my life and save him for my sins. You are cleaned instantly. The leper did not question Jesus's ability to heal him. He only wondered if Jesus was willing. When's the last time you asked Jesus, Jesus, if you are willing, forgive me. Of this sin. Jesus, if you are willing, help me with this situation. Certainly God is willing to save. And God is willing to heal you. God is willing to heal you where you are. You don't need to wait. He's right here. Maybe you've become desperate enough like the leper to cry out to Jesus and trust him with your unclean life. I know some of you that have children. Some of you, any of y'all got picky eaters in your family? Like I know most kids, the only thing they will eat is chicken tenders and fries, right? I mean, that's pretty much all they want. It doesn't matter if it's out of the freezer or out of the restaurant. They they want all that. I can remember being uh, a picky eater when I was a kid, and you know, also I remember if I was too picky, I would not eat because Mama wouldn't make two or three different meals just so I would eat. And if you do that, hey, more power to you. But I realized something. If I was too picky to eat what was served, I would go hungry. And eventually, when I became hungry enough, I'd eat. But the truth of the matter is, folks, is that when we become desperate enough, when we become hungry enough for the forgiveness of our Savior, we will call out to Him. And then also, the third thing that we see is that use your healing to give God glory. It says in verse 4 that Jesus said to him, don't tell anyone about this. That seems odd. 
Don't tell anybody about this. Instead, go to the priest and let him examine you. Take along the offering required to the law of Moses, those who have been healed by leprosy, to be a public testimony for what has been cleansed. Folks, the thing is, is that remember, he was cast out. He was told to stay away and yell unclean when people came by. This was a mandate that the Jewish leadership of the temple put upon him and said, look, you are cast out. And so now he has to go before the same body of people that cast him out and say, look, I've been healed. I am no longer unclean. I am clean. And there was a process that he would have to go through. Folks, what we see here is that the change Jesus made in your life speak louder than your words. Why would Jesus tell the healed man not to tell anybody? The problem would be cleansing rituals that one would have to go through before they were deemed clean and be able to return to regular life. So why would Jesus tell him to not say anything about that? Well, Jesus wanted people to remember the message, not the miracles. Let me say that one more time. Jesus wanted people to remember the message and not the miracles. Folks, Jesus didn't want the healed leper to tell his story because Jesus' publicity about the healing would hinder his ability to minister in that area. And as you read the passage, we see that the man did tell everybody. And so all of a sudden, the crowds start following him. And then all of a sudden, people are crowding around him, not because, because they want to hear the message, because they want them or their family members to be healed. They wanted the miracle, not the message. Folks, there are people filled with churches today that are following Jesus because of what he gives them. Maybe a sense of purpose. Maybe the warm fuzzies. Maybe the, the extra blessings. I don't know. What, but it's not about what Jesus gives you. It's about the hands that give it to you. It is all about the gospel. And somewhere along the way, church folks have discarded the gospel, discarded the message of Jesus Christ that has come to heal and to save this world for their comfort and for what they can get out of what Jesus has for them. It's not about the miracle. It's not about the blessings. It is the message that Jesus died for. So do not get into the trap of following Jesus for what he gives you and disregard his message. It says in John 8, 12, Jesus spoke to the people once more and said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. That's the message. As Jesus came to this earth to specifically save this outcast leper, so did he come to save you too. And here's the thing. Salvation is not the end, folks. If so, you know, I hear preachers and evangelists say all the time, yeah, we had this service, we had 500 people saved in one day. We had 500 people baptized. I, I've been to churches to where, and maybe you've seen, they, had, they have churches, they have, they have five or six baptismal pools or troughs, and they have people coming through and, and getting baptized. Hey, praise the Lord for that. If, if it's genuine and God's working in that, Amen. But too many people make us think that salvation is the end of the process when actually it's just the beginning. It's when we get cleansed and saved and start to walk with the Lord. Salvation is not the end, but the beginning. So to follow Jesus means to continue to walk with him. 
Notice those who follow Jesus, according to that verse I just shared, will not have to walk in darkness. So folks, whether you need to be healed from the disease of sin in your life for the first time or for the next time. Think about that. Whenever you need to be healed from the disease of sin for the first time or the next time. Call out to Jesus today. Look, I know I'm preaching to a group of people that I would say 99.9% of you have prayed to receive Christ before in your life. And I praise the Lord for that. But there may be one that hasn't. Or maybe there is somebody that has, but they have drifted far away. My friend, that's okay. Whether you ask for forgiveness for the first time or this time or the next time, he will offer it. He is willing and able. And he is excited to heal you so that you may live the difference for the world to see. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for this message today. And Lord, it is my prayer that if, Lord, there is someone here that has identified with this, that they have sins that they need to be healed from, Lord. If they need to become your child, may they do that today. They need to stop worrying about the condition that they're in. And Lord, let them cleanse you or let you cleanse them. May that happen today. Maybe there's a Christian here that has been struggling. But today is the day they want that re-cleansing. A recommitment. Or whether they want to come to the altar or join the church, whatever it may be, Lord. May you be glorified as your son passes by. And we shout for you to cleanse us, Lord. For it's in your name we pray. Amen. Would you please stand?